0: hello internet this is matt co-host dude and we're here talking about tangled web again
1: yes this is shannon from down the web line and we are i own all of tangled web do you matt
0: oh yeah i mean sure that's no biggie though that's like twelve dollars or something (laughs)
1: So you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where we'll be unearthing deep cuts and forgotten stories in Spider-Man lore. Our goal is to find these lost gems and share them with you as we discover what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. So the story... Oh, go on.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, we're, we're covering Tangled Web 7 through 9, which is...
1: Gentleman's Agreement which is one of the few three-part um, stories in Tangled Web and you can find this story um, physically since it's three issues so they're about three to four dollars each in a trade there's Tangled Web Volume 2 that's $11 and the Omnibus is 60 ish and the story is also on Comixology and Marvel Unlimited
0: yeah I mean you can find this easily and I recommend you do after we talk about it I think you'll be interested to check out out because this is just a fun story it's written by bruce jones penciled by lee weeks i had to look up those names because they don't register for me Bruce Jones has done some stuff but nothing that I believe I've read before other than this Emily weeks has done some like Batman he did the circle chase for Deadpool which was exciting for me that's a favorite but I don't know um, Joseph Rubinstein inking uh you know Comicraft craft doing letters just uh you know this is fun because it's these guys kind of I think proving their chops I mean some of these guys have been I mean they've been around but I mean I don't think they really had the freedom to do this kind of a story with a Marvel or DC before, which was the fun of Tangled Web.
1: Yeah, it's a very experimental uh, line of issues. So this is a lot of fun to read. Um, And this story specifically is about Charlie, a terminally ill cab driver who has learned Spider-Man's secret identity. And when a $500,000 life-saving medical procedure comes up, he must decide how much the trust between him and the web web slinger is worth. So
0: yeah and so we open right up here on a crime comic <laughs> um they shooting there's a car ramming into a cop people running and then we see a figure in the distance we know it's spider-man but you honestly can't really tell
1: yeah i mean the way he's posing is like you have a feeling but it is kind of like uh shadowy and it's all done in these sort of blue tones so it doesn't feel like it's the present and as we find out it isn't and then the next scene is we're following this man named Charlie who's a cab driver and he's at the doctor's office and he's learned that he has terminal cancer in his brain.
0: From Einstein.
1: From Einstein. He has this Einsteinian looking doctor, which is great, who's sitting here smoking a cigarette, which best doctor ever. And uh, I have to admit that uh, I love the way uh, Weeks does the art in this story because there's all these sort of added little bits that help tell the story. Um, So here we have like the uh, X-ray of Charlie's brain and you see the sort of colored area in the X-ray. That's supposed to be where the cancer is, and it's in the occipital lobe of the brain, which is where the visual cortex is. So when the doctor's explaining to him how this disease is going to progress and tells him he's going to go blind within, you know, a month, there's these little details that are just so interesting and well done.
0: Right. And that's... That's a big thing for these issues, is the level of detail in the background. If that's important for you, if that's kind of a metric by which you judge your comic art, which I think is a fair point. I've heard a lot of artists kind of point to, you know, backgrounds and what's being told there, what that adds for storytelling or just visual excitement. And this, these comics have it in spades. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, We quickly move to, I guess it's the surgeon's office. Well,
1: he goes from one doctor to another doctor and so the first Einstein here with the cigarette suggests that he gets a second opinion and so we see him next with another doctor
0: a female doctor so progressive um, it is <laughs> and basically she says yeah it's there it's good news we can get it done the bad news is it's half a million and you're a cab driver and you don't have health insurance so good luck buddy tough world yeah so he leaves she's oh better bedside matter than me but yeah <laughs>
1: Only slightly, only slightly. <laughs> um, anyways, so he begins to be racked with like these headaches. he's really suffering um, and as he has these headaches, he keeps having these flashbacks towards this you know car chase that involves the cops and guns firing
0: and he seems to be pinned
1: underneath his cab um uh helpless
0: right and it's funny because i mean he's helpless but when he is he's basically stuck he's paralyzed he's not there but he keeps having these visions of other people under the gun or himself under the gun Mm -hmm. and then he wakes up to another one that's happening in the present uh some lady getting mugged uh martha wayne style
1: oh yeah like i mean the pearls sort of thing, and.
0: Yeah, he calls the Daily Bugle.
1: Yeah, he calls the Daily Bugle and suddenly why have uh, Spider-Man showing up.
0: Well, my favorite little detail is he calls the Daily Bugle and then we get this is Parker and then we get Spider-Man saving the day. Mm hmm. Which I, I don't know. I I just think that's a really fun idea that someone's figured out Spider Man's identity. And rather than the stories that we normally get of, you know, ruining his day, he's essentially using that information to use the Daily Bugle as a hotline for him to come to save the day.
1: Yeah. And there's not, there's this sort of blue collar esque style to it where he's just out oh, he finds a payphone he calls like he like he doesn't even know what he would do with the information otherwise you know like mm-hmm. he sees someone in trouble he can't do anything about it so he goes to the payphone and he calls someone who he knows he can do
0: it mm-hmm. and this was 2001 so payphones aren't so out of line
1: no but it it i don't know to me it feels more like old new york just having that payphone there it uh but the cell phones do show up in the story though i just not the like the payphone mm-hmm really sort of speaks to where he is financially. Yeah. And his story sort of expands from there as we learn more and more about what's going on with his life. It's not just that he's found out that he has cancer, but he's also estranged from his wife, you know, and she's looking for money and he doesn't have any. And he has a son that's weighing on his mind and he can't see him either. But that $500,000 is what's hitting him the hardest and so he starts asking around he asks his estranged wife you know what's a secret worth what's a trust worth you know is it worth someone's life because to give up this trust would for sure destroy one person's life but you know it's his life on the line too it's this five hundred thousand dollars that's on the line too and what it means
0: We find out he's religious. I mean, he goes to what's that called when you equivocate Kate with the old guy behind the wire?
1: (laughs) Oh, why? I'm not Catholic. (laughs) Oh, confession. There you go.
0: Yeah. I sorry. (laughs) I had to reach for that one. And it's interesting because even the father admits he's, like, in this place that even by biblical standards is, you know, one over the other. Like, are are you putting the trust of word or life one over another and like it there's no clear answer no and
1: the father is pretty much like uh i i can't answer any of this like not not without more details and even then it seems like it's not a burden that he wants on his shoulders this is being foisted he can't charlie can't put this on anyone's shoulders but his own he can't ask the father and have the father give him the answer
0: Like he has to bear it. Yeah. And if it was just a few years ago, you know, a few hundred years, he could have just paid it off and it would have been fine. But that would have been a money problem, too. So it all just comes around.
1: It sure does. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Charlie's at odds. And um, we're also introduced to this other sort of side story about these thieves that used to be bank robbers. And they're afraid to go out and uh, commit another heist because of Spider-Man. And so they become people who might benefit from a certain
0: secret. Right. And so we have all this set up and then we move into our second issue. And I want to say the first page, I guess technically it's the second page of the uh, second issue does a really good job to just summarize the important bits from the first issue move on, but it has some floating heads, but they're used to great effect because I'm imagining reading this a month later And just those faces and what they were saying and all that just being hit real quick brings you right back to where you were at the end of the first issue. It really does a good job to get your memory there. But that first page is great to continue that theme of that, like, blue violence of the past, you know...
1: Yes, and and the thieves that you were you, that you saw before, you now see them also in the flashback, mm-hmm. as they are the ones who are running away with the loot and being chased by the cops.
0: Right, our our loose ends are kind of slowly coming together. Yes, and we get another reason for him to call the Daily Bugle. There's this old guy who's about to jump, and he has to kind of fight with the bartender to use the phone. <laughs> Yeah.
1: And also in every every time we he calls for Spider Man or even in the flashbacks, Spider Man's always, you know, out of frame or in shadow. Um that you know he's there, but uh he's not he's not a part like it's all about Charlie and what he's dealing with and Spider Man sort of looming in the edges like this bigger than life character. Yeah, helps. we
0: never see him directly. His presence is felt but not there, which is really good for kind of the this larger theme we're going for of you know th- this idea of the world of spider-man but you know his effects beyond himself
1: and there's also i would say this in a way a dehumanizing of him this taking away like when we say a life for life you know for charlie or for us as the reader in this story that it's hard to to create an equivalent when we see like a living, breathing person versus someone who is off the off frame, you know?
0: Well, and I mean, to someone like Charlie, imagining someone like Spider-Man being another person with problems is probably really hard Mm because larger than life. Right.
1: So yeah, he uh, he calls and gets the suicide victim saved, and then we hear the story from the suicide victim. And uh, he's you know he's at his own odds, and he's worried about two hundred thousand. So it's not even close to what Charlie's worried about. And Charlie does the good thing and gives the man a ride home. So. There's this, like, the heroism, you know, calling Spider-Man, but also doing his own part that he knows that he can do, which is to not leave this man just sitting out on the sidewalk, you know, right? but to take him home. And so you see compassion in Charlie.
0: And from there, I mean, we cut to him sneaking in to see his son, doing the good thing, but what he can within his means, which are limited.
1: Yes. And he shows up, he sees his son, he's got a, a picture of Spider-Man that's signed, and you know that has to be authentic. And he gives it to his son and spends a little time with him before he sneaks back out. Um, And you can really like see the love he has for his kid in that
0: moment. Right, but you can also see the disdain of the wife because the minute she's kind of calling through the door for a kid, that's when he realizes he has to go because she's gonna open the door. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It it's funny, in two pages we get so much of the dynamic and it's it's Mm -hmm. all very concise.
1: Oh yeah. Well told.
0: Um then we get the big setup, which was kind of the big question mark for me that was fun to read through, where he goes to get a part-time job as a security guard for a jewelry store, and he does so by essentially grabbing a piece of jewelry right under the current security guard's nose and then brings it and presents it when he goes to the job interview. Like, you know, like, look, your people aren't very good. I was able to snatch this and bring it back. And the person who's some middleman conducting the interview is like, that's illegal. How dare you? And then the person in charge is like, what are you doing? You're hired. You start Monday. Like.
1: I don't know, I would be like between the two. I'd be like, Yeah, he obviously will catch the people. At the same time, he did steal <laughs>
0: well i mean if he stole something on his way in to prove that like he's capable and he knows what to look for and it's not like he's it's, the piece of jewelry never left the building mm-hmm. so I, the, he, claiming that he stole it to me feels a little yeah, much like he does. he made his point and he didn't do anything wrong
1: yeah, yeah. so but like well he he proves that he's more than like a cab driver for sure yeah
0: um uh, with his ex-wife we get this moment where She's pretty short with him but when he has an attack from this uh, problem that we've been talking about she gets somewhat sympathetic and says like you should go see a doctor and yeah he's saying you know I just want to say goodbye and it's this very odd thing where you can't really tell her but she's kind of picking up on what's going on
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's she's picking up on it but you also see that that in a way they still love each other it's just that they came to a, like an impasse on what they can provide for each other, which is sad um, they just sort of wish things would have been different um, and then right. we, we get back to these thieves who you know, too afraid to knock over a bank so now they're attacking people at lover's lanes and trying to rob like 20 bucks off of people really sort of dragging at the bottom of their skill set and industry <sighs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: It's all a business. So, it's just, they're just. So
0: you have a problem with him <laughs> snatching the piece of jewelry in the building to make a point, but these guys knocking over people, necking out by the lake, you're like, oh, they're just not doing their best.
1: I have disdain for them. I don't have disdain for Charlie. I have disdain <laughs> for them. They're just, they're falling so far from where they used to be, I suppose. <laughs> 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 so they're interrupted, they're harassing these poor people and, and taking, you know, what cash they have, which is hardly anything. And flashlight, enough flashlights, headlights come up. And they think it's the cops. And so they let these four kids get away. And instead, it turns out it's Charlie. And Charlie makes an offer. You know, he now has this part-time security gig at a jewelry store. Um, So it's an inside job. And he knows how to make sure that they can have a successful heist. And he wants half the loot and in exchange for getting that much of the cut he's willing to give up the identity of spider-man
0: right which the guy in charge is i guess keen enough to know that's worth the the heavy cut though honestly i'm kind of like he's bringing you guys in on a job that otherwise you clearly wouldn't be able to plan or execute like (laughs) you're you're just bodies there taking half the cut seems about fair to begin with
1: yeah i i also think that Yeah, they they suck, but their problem is psychological, not necessarily that they don't have the skills to do it. They're so afraid that Spider-Man will come and get them, that they're only comfortable going out and robbing kids from Lover's Lane. So the idea that this would be a jewelry heist and that this cab driver's got Spider-Man in his pocket is sweet enough that they would consider going for it.
0: Yeah. So I mean, he basically sets up the plan, which is basically just they're gonna knock over the jewelry store. It's not very elaborate (laughs) for what they get. Yeah. But what Charlie has fully planned out is actually fairly elaborate.
1: Yeah. Charlie just really went out for this whole plan. So we get almost, I'd say, the final flashback here on the third issue, Mm -hmm. where we we finally have Spider-Man in the panels, you know, and we see sort of the major events of what happened on that rainy. Day years ago so spider-man knocking out the uh the the villains charlie stuck under the cab you know the the villains throwing the money away down to uh, down into the sewer and spider-man revealed to be peter parker dramatically with the rain pouring on
0: him no, no, no. we don't really know why but yeah no so yeah so charlie starts navigating get the getting this heist going and so we pretty we're in the thick of it before we get any more as the reader
1: yeah it, i have to say like charlie up to this point he seemed to be sort of fumbling through things and just sort of not not inept or anything like that but just sort of like his life wasn't really going anywhere and now that he has this heist going he's just he's like kicking chairs out from underneath people and they he's like not afraid so he's he's certain about what he's doing
0: right part of the way i read that is he knows he has to play strong and canny and call people's bluff basically otherwise they're gonna catch wise like if he doesn't seem a notch above them the idea that he's gonna have anything on spider-man the idea that he's just kind of telling them where to go and what to do without spilling his guts just doesn't ring mm-hmm. so it, it fit it it fits like this character he's playing for a moment but clearly there's it feels like there has to be a little backstory because for him to pull some of the moves he did that you point out, it it's beyond a cabbie.
1: Mm-hmm. But they don't ever really go into that. So no. um but at any rate, the the guys need some proof that he's got a hold on Spider-Man. So the poor girl that's the love interest of the main heist guy, uh, is now the guinea pig. Um, although I would say she's not really that poor since so she's willing to go into a liquor store with a gun and hold it up, so but uh she's kicked out of the cab she goes over there um charlie makes a phone call to the daily bugle and she is suddenly faced with spider-man
0: yep which it's pretty uncanny that every time he calls peter's in the office considering he's almost never there (laughs) uh yeah so i mean we we do the smash and grab uh they pull out and as they're splitting up the loot um He kind of stops them from sharing what looks to be even nearly half of what they grabbed. Like, it's only a small fraction. He says, that's enough. I only need half a mil. Like, he he knows what he's doing this for, and he's only going to take that much.
1: Yeah, he's not interested in anything beyond that. Yeah.
0: Which, considering the bag they have, is nowhere even close to half, so...
1: Oh yeah, they, they, they cleaned the place out. He's angry with them, though, that, you know, he insisted that there wouldn't be any bullets in the guns, yet they clearly have bullets when they shoot at... A person who's trying to go for a door right. um, but he's sort of rolling with it <clears throat> has control every, over everything still to a certain degree mm-hmm. and they get away to an alley uh, because their getaway car is a cab and there's thousands of cabs so the cops lose them pretty easily and uh, so this is hours later and Charlie has told the the thieves exactly <clears throat> where to go and he's going to give them uh, Spider-Man's identity as the last that he has to pay off
0: Right And so he gives them a place And they go in To take care of Spider-Man And find
1: A whole lot of Spider-Mans <laughs>
0: yeah it's the 10th annual spidey convention special guests tonight like it's this incredible panel it's just like a spider-man convention which is cool also where it why can't we have one of these i want this
1: <laughs> look at the little balloons that are just spider-man heads it's so cute
0: yeah and then you get a bunch of nerds talking about like some of the finer points of some of the comics i don't know who'd waste their time doing a thing like that no, really. yeah as these guys run through and then yeah it's their worst
1: nightmare <laughs> <laughs> it's like their worst nightmare. They're like, they all could, well, not all of them, obviously from body shape, but it's just way too many Spider-Mans and they're, they have this phobia of them. So they're just running and terrified and not sure what's going on. And they find escape out a window
0: where... Yeah, so Spider-Man basically catches them in net as he pushes them out a window, which is kind of funny after all this.
1: He kind of scares Um. them. He goes, boo. Like, you know, instantly when he says boo, like, there's our authentic Spider-Man
0: yeah um and then charlie's in a spider-man outfit and then he gets an attack the the biggest detail to me that really raises a lot of questions is spider-man goes charlie he knows who he is
1: he does well he's talked to him a lot on the phone he keeps getting well i didn't (laughs) desk
0: well i thought he was leaving calls for parker or whatnot i didn't i thought it was relatively anonymous so if But so if Spider-Man knows he knows his identity, I I don't know. It's just to me that was like that added a whole lot more to Mm -hmm. everything else.
1: And also like the amount of coordination, like Peter here really doesn't know quite what's going on Mm -hmm. because Charlie asks him straight up right there. You know, so I guess you want a explanation, but he doesn't get to finish his sentence when he gets another massive headache and uh, passes out into a coma. Mm -hmm. And after this is where we get the actual Reveal, reveal of what the $500,000 was really for, Right, and that was for his son. So this whole time, you're thinking like the 500000 maybe he had gotten a second opinion from a doctor who uh, had a different option that would save his life, and it was going to cost 500000 and it turns out that that money was never for himself, it was for his son, right. who has uh, a terminal illness. Well, it would have been terminal, a severe illness. And so the 500K was to save his son. And so when you see him go and visit his son in that bedroom, the person who opens the door, who you think is the estranged wife, she's wearing a little nurse hat. And it's so subtle that you almost miss it. Um, So you realize then that the son was never at the house. Uh, and you also understand why he and his wife are estranged, you know, that the, the terminal, the, well, maybe terminal illness that the son has, has caused this rift between them, which does mm-hmm. happen with, uh, with yeah. parents when something terrible happens to their kid. So it finishes essentially with a a sum up, a a clarification as as Charlie thinks back in his coma uh, to that fateful night where uh, he's stuck underneath the cab and there's fire, like there's an explosion of the gas tank and uh, Spider-Man comes running over and Charlie, he helps Charlie out and then he tells Spider-Man, no, but my kid is in there. My son's in there. And so Spider-Man gets the son out and goes to give the son CPR, which is why he removes part of his mask and as the son wakes up he like just out of you know just out of reflex grabs the mask and pulls it off and so his identity is revealed in that moment and so that's where the trust began was you know Peter lost his you know had his identity exposed while saving the son's life and so Charlie felt obligated to always keep that trust
0: right but I didn't get that I mean obviously in sequence you know when Mm -hmm. he said Charlie I was like that was like oh my gosh (laughs) and (laughs) Right. And so you get this at the end and it comes full circle. It's a very perfect amount of information at the right time through this Mm -hmm. story. It's a very well crafted little bit. And it is three issues, but it doesn't read like three issues. It it goes quickly. It feels very tight. And it's very engrossing. So it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't have the weight of that. It's worth the read.
1: Oh, yeah. I I love the story. I remember when I was reading through Tangled Web. This is probably the most memorable story from it, at least for me. Um, And the cover art, too, on top of that is just amazing,
0: too. Oh, yeah. These covers are excellent. Yeah. So, yeah. Fun story. Fun, maybe. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Thoughtful, intriguing story.
0: Right. Did you have any like, like bigger themes lifting out of this that struck you that you wanted to say a bit more about? Or do you feel it's all just contained in the story?
1: It's so well told. And we've talked about a lot of it. And I think you do come back to this idea of like, if you were in Charlie's position, now, a lot of us would be like, Oh, no, we would never, you know, reveal Spider-Man's identity, you know, My life isn't worth that of his, you know what I mean? Like, if my life was endangered, like, no. But then when it's your kid's life, that's, like, where things got complicated for Charlie. And so that would be, like, my real question to really everyone is, when is a trust worth more than a life, a trust like this? And so you get back to, like, you can understand this weight that Charlie was juggling and why he was asking people who were important to him what they would do without really coming out with what it was because it was such a delicate, secretive thing. Right.
0: So my question for you is why are you so drawn to these really, really sad stories with (laughs) kids that are like (laughs) burdened with these horrible sicknesses? (laughs) You
1: know what? (laughs) should talk about the the, the roger Stor- stern story next okay <laughs> i think there's a tom taylor one too let's do that one yeah <laughs> uh.
0: that's funny all right any final final bits thoughts amendums no yeah no. all right so so where would you put this on the web of rankings?
1: Ooh. I mean, I think this is a notch above the other two Tangled Webs that we did recently. So I would say in the top 15.
0: Let's see here. So yeah, um, Ray of Light, which was that first one we covered, is at 18. And oh, there's another Tangled Web at 12, which is the last shoot, which I would put above this one. Uh, mm-hmm. So... I'm sorry, I'm trying to find the other one. Ah. Oh no, where was the other one? (laughs)
1: Oh, maybe. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of Spectacular 14. Ah. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. It so felt like a Tangle this... Web story.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fair. And they're scattered throughout. Um, So we have this little block here. So um, there's the Ray of Light and then there's Spectacular Spider-Man right under that. You'll
1: put this one right and under that one. That's fine.
0: Then. Well, what about Double Shot, though? What's your of double shot? <laughs> oh, no. Off the top of my head. <laughs> Alright, um, yeah, we'll we'll put it right under there, and then we'll have this, like, Lock little of bit of, uh, sad misery <laughs> and uh. misery and pain for children <laughs> all in one little area, and that'll be good. And that redefines our top 20 pretty well, this mm-hmm. block. And now we're at 81 entries. All right.
1: Pretty exciting.
0: So we're starting with Hooky, and then we end on the time before at Classic Tale. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. So next time, we're going to be talking about, what, Another Child in Distress? What are we on?
1: Uh, well, actually, yes, yeah, because we we're going to do a told Talks next.
0: Oh, yeah. Next time, if you want to hear it, we're doing a told Talks. It'll be with P- yeah.
1: Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, number three hundred and ten, I believe.
0: Yeah, relatively recent. That it was that uh, Zdarsky Coda issue, hmm. and has another we'll
1: has another boy in distress. So <laughs> complete
0: the right. block with that. And then after that little block, we'll be doing the tribute to teenagers, which will be a tight little one. And if you want to get ready for that. Um, we'll be doing the most recent Marvel team up uh, 20 from 2019 issues one through three web of spider-man 35 and then the told will be amazing spider-man number eight. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Um, yeah, you. if you want to help out the show, you can check out the Patreon for tiers and donations there. Um, and I'd encourage you all to check out The Amazing Spider Talk currently if you haven't. I can't imagine you're listening to this if you haven't been listening to that. But... Uh, they're covering a lot of stuff. They're covering Stern. They have an interview with um, John Romita Jr. coming up. Lots of cool things there. And, you know, if you want to get in contact with us, the best way is usually Twitter, until Talks SPMN, or you can email us, until Talks of Spider-Man at Gmail. Just one big long email word. Or, you know, send a pigeon. Is there... <laughs> good way for people to reach out to you Shannon
1: on Twitter at down the webline or at Gmail down the web line at gmail.com
0: cool then do you have any other things people should know about in the fires
1: no because I've been bad and I haven't been working on my essay
0: do your homework I should uh, <laughs> then um let's see here for me uh, never stay dead is going to do another episode soon on November the let me grab a thing here real quick fraction and character graphic novel series that ended relatively recently which is another crime comic not super unsimilar to this though a lot more female focused and uh, got on with a buddy of mine and we talked some video games on something called co-op button so there you go you can hear lots more of my big dumb voice all over the internet exciting (laughs) See here and until Shannon decides to give me half a million dollars, make mine untold.
1: That's not gonna happen, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>